It is one of my favorite artists. Ben Rector is his name, and uh, I love Ben's honesty in that song because he's a successful artist in Nashville, and he's got a lot of fame, and he's sold a lot of records. Uh, but in a moment of his honesty and transparency, he went, wow, I went after all this, but yet it's not enough. And if I go after this record deal, and if I go after this, I hit that, and then I find that's not enough either. And he's finally in this moment going, you know what? I just want to look more like love. I want to look more like the way that Jesus has called me to live and created me to live. And I was listening to that song as I was preparing for the sermon and the series, and I began just to ask myself, like, do we always have to go through painful moments to learn the ways of Jesus? I mean, can't we go through, can't we just learn somewhere else instead of hitting the wall? And I heard one pastor said this, he goes, there's only one school that everybody goes to learn at. It's the school of what? Hard knocks, you've been there. Right? You've learned like I've learned. And why is it? Why is it the only way sometimes we learn the ways of God is through the school of hard knocks? I think there's something associated with pain that until sometimes we experience so much pain, there's not change. And we keep going in our ways and we keep going after things in our life. And sometimes we know they're wrong, but we go, I don't feel the pain yet and I don't feel the regret yet. So we continue to pursue it. And it's only until sometimes things come out into the open and things get recognized and other people know it that we actually only then begin to change. And things get embarrassing when that happens. Matter of fact, today we're gonna look at probably what is one of the most embarrassing stories recorded in the Bible in John chapter eight. It's when the Pharisees bring a woman to the feet of Jesus who is caught literally in the act of adultery. And they bring her to Jesus' feet and they bring her not so Jesus can heal her, they bring her to trap Jesus, what we're gonna find out. They really don't want Jesus, they just wanna trap Jesus and get Jesus to, to really leave the scene, but it's only in this woman's pain that you begin to see change happen in her life. And as I was reading this, I'm going, is there another way? Is there another way that we can learn? Is there another way that we can grow, or does it always have to be so painful? And see, today when we talk about this idea of tough love, what we're gonna find in this tough love of Jesus is that Jesus, in the toughest moments of our life, is always a drawing tension to him. See, oftentimes in those moments of painfulness, when everybody knows that we've messed up, everybody's looking to us, and what he says is this, I want you to look at me in your time of pain, because it's there that I can begin to change your life. Anybody ever been there? That painful moment. I remember for me, one of the most painful moments of my life came when I was 15 years old. It was probably to this day the most embarrassing moment of my life. I was 15 and a half, and in Las Vegas, you can get your driver's permit when you're 15, drive with the parent in your car for six months, and then when you're 16, you can go and apply for your license. And uh, so one night uh, before, uh, you know, the school next day, we went, and my dad and I, we went to fill up the car with gas, and I was driving, and dad was in the passenger seat. He got out to pump, you know, the gas. I don't have any money. I can't work yet. I'm not 16. And he fills up the car, and he goes in to pay. And uh, at that time, I saw these two girls, about the time that dad's about ready to come out of the gas station, these two girls got out of their car, I recognized them from school, and I wanted their attention. And so I thought, you know what would be cool is I'll just drive, I'm not supposed to, but I'll just drive 20 feet, pick up dad, get them to notice me, and then hopefully I'll talk to them at school the next day. No big deal. So as dad is walking out of the gas station, they're about ready to walk in, and I take off from the gas pump. And as soon as dad's walking out, he looks up and he sees me driving and he immediately just starts going, no. And I'm like, it's a, no, it's a driver's permit. It's 20 feet. Like this isn't a big deal. At that moment, no, I hear this, boom, ripped the gas hose off the pump. 
Dad had gone in to tell the manager the gas pump was broken. I got the girl's attention. I had their attention. The only problem was that was the most embarrassing way to get their attention. Literally. I mean, there's only probably six or seven people around, but I am sitting there in this car, stopped. All eyes are on me. And I literally had no, I had nothing else to do except the girls are looking at me. Dad's walking at me like, you moron. You know, like, what are you doing? (laughs) The girls are looking at me and this is all I can do. My hands are frozen. It's at night. And I just lower the visor so they can't see my face. (laughs) I did it. They're sitting there at the gas station like, don't know this is me. That's what we do, don't we? When we get busted in our biggest moments and everybody sees our failures, we want to go, don't look at me. There was only six or seven people there that night. It felt like six or seven thousand. Ever been there? People know, not just that, you know, some of you are like, no, I've never ripped the gas hose off the pump. I'm not asking that. I'm asking, have you been at that place where everyone else knows your sin? Everybody knows what you've done. Maybe people have left being your friend because they see it and they go, oh no, I'm out now. And they left you. See, this is why it's so important, this idea that Jesus is always drawing our attention back to him. Because in our moments of failure, a lot of times we want to run away from people. We want to lower the visor of our life. And we want to go, I want to act like nobody sees me, nobody knows me, and nobody's going to talk to me. And if I don't talk to anybody, nobody's going to know what I've done. And they're not going to know the extent of it. And I'm just going to kind of walk around with a visor over my face so God doesn't see me, nobody knows me, and things are okay when internally we know Things are not okay. This is where we find Jesus in John chapter 8. This is where we find the tough love of Jesus that when everybody else abandons us and even when we want to abandon ourselves, Jesus doesn't abandon us. This is the tough love of Jesus that when everybody leaves you, he doesn't leave you. That when you're embarrassed of yourself, Jesus says, I'm not embarrassed of you. I'm with you. See, this is the tough love of Jesus, and the question that he's going to ask you and I today is this, are you paying attention to the tough love that I'm offering you, that even though you're embarrassed of what you've done, I'm with you? If you have your Bibles open to John chapter 8, you see this incredible story begin to unfold. Matter of fact, I want to pick up in verse 53 of chapter 7 because Jesus has been talking with the leaders. They're asking him questions because people don't know what to do with Jesus. Jesus has shown up on the scene. They've had all their expectations of who a Messiah is going to be. And Jesus is rocking their world. And they're going, wait a second, you're not what I was expecting. And he goes, I know, that's why you need to pay attention to me. More than what your expectations are of him, more than what you think God should do, Jesus says, put your attention on me, because this is what he knows. Whatever has your attention will have your heart. Part of the problem is, the only thing that has your attention is your failure, and Jesus goes, have your attention on me so I can help you overcome your failure. Focus more on me. Chapter 7, verse 53, it says this. After they had discussed, then each went to his own home. The leaders in the synagogue go to their own home. Jesus, it says, went to the Mount of Olives where typically he would go and pray. 
Verse 2, it says this, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. Just like this, this is what would happen. Jesus would come into the synagogue, people would show up, they go, teaches the word of God, teaches about God. This is what Jesus is doing. All the people are there. It's at dawn, they're hungry to learn about God. It said the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. And they made her stand before the group, and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and in the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? What do you think Jesus is going to say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. See, they really weren't putting their attention on Jesus. They wanted to just use Jesus for whatever they wanted, which was to prove him guilty. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Before I begin to continue on, let me just kind of set this tone and the stage here. Imagine right now, in the middle of the sermon, we're all here. People are watching online at the video venue, all this other stuff. People are tuned in, and in comes these doors. We open the doors, and the elders bring a woman on stage, and we begin to talk about her sin and what she's done in front of all of you. Matter of fact, let me take it another step further. We bring you on this stage right now, and we open your phone. And we look at the history of your website searches. And we put pictures from your computer on this screen. And maybe inappropriate conversations that you've had through text messages on the screen. Or conversations that you've had. Or racist words that you've used. And everybody in this room now knows who you are, and what you've done. You feeling this situation? A little bit of heat. Jesus, what are you going to do here? You know what Jesus does? He starts doodling in the dirt. (laughs) That's why we got to pay attention to Jesus. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm going to see the Pharisees like, what? <laughs> this is the Savior. Okay. Right? It's one of these things where we go, this is why we need to pay attention to Jesus. That's what he does. When they kept on questioning him, Jesus, what do you say? Kill her? What do you say, Jesus? What should we do? They kept on questioning him, and here's why they're trying to trap him. Because here's what happens. If Jesus doesn't agree to kill this woman, because that's what Leviticus 20, verse 10 says, Deuteronomy 22, if he doesn't follow through, then he's not obeying the law. And so he's really not of God. And if he doesn't show grace to her, you go, well, is that really the heart of God? They think they have him trapped, except in Leviticus 20, verse 10, it says not just to bring the woman who's guilty, but who's missing in this scenario? Oh, the man's not there. So who's now guilty of breaking the law, Jesus or the Pharisees? Pharisees. See, it's not just now that this woman is guilty, the Pharisees are now guilty, because they're not following the law. 
Jesus knows this. This is why he bends down, starts scribbling in the ground. And listen to what it says. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. You ever have Jesus give you an answer to a question you're not asking? Uh, Jesus, I'm not asking that. He's like, I know, but it's what you need. This is why we got to pay attention. Jesus will give us answers sometimes to questions that we're not asking, or he's not going to answer the question that we want asked, and that's why you need to pay attention, because he's saying you're asking the wrong questions. If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And then again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. What is he doing? At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The Pharisees began to leave. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Now it's not the Pharisees and the elders. Now it's just this woman and Jesus with the crowd looking in. What's Jesus going to say now? Because he can throw a stone, can't he? Man, he can just, he go, dude, I'm perfect, you're not perfect, I can light you up. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? The only words this woman says, no one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of what? Sin. Does Jesus have your attention? See, the reason why Jesus is drawing our attention, if you're following along and want to write this in, the reason why Jesus is drawing our attention to himself is so he can cover our guilt. Because guess who's guilty in this story? Not just the woman, and that's what we think this story is all about, is just the woman who's caught in the act of adultery, but you guys picked up on it. Who else was guilty in this story? Pharisees. Guess who's guilty in this room? All of us. All of us are guilty. And some of us are going, why did he scribble in the dirt? You know why he scribbled in the dirt? We don't know what he said, but here's why he scribbled in the dirt. This woman shows up in a hot mess. All these problems are going on in front of everybody. The most embarrassing moment of her life. Everybody's going, what's going on? And Jesus bends down and he begins to write in the dirt. And you know what you do when you know you're guilty? What do you do? This is what my kids do when I come home and they've done something wrong and they're on their best behavior. I go, oh, what'd you do? Right? You know, I'm like, why are you acting like this? Hey, daddy, can I get you water? What'd you do? What'd you do? You know, it's like, I know. And what you do is you deflect. You kind of, you, you know, make another scene over here. You know what Jesus is doing when he's bending down, doing this stuff? He's drawing attention to himself when she's guilty. And you know what else a lot of commentators believe? It's not so much of what he was writing in the ground. It was the fact that Jesus got down on her level. We talk a lot different when I'm right here, don't we? When your coach would get down on your level. When your parent would get down on your level. 
no longer is the attention on her. The attention is now on Jesus, and they're going, what is he doing? When you're guilty, Jesus says, I want your attention on me more than your guilt. Oh, you and I are guilty. But do you realize that I'm down here on your level? That's a whole different story, isn't it? See, Jesus is going, in your moments where you are most embarrassed, when you want to drop the visor, when you want to act like nothing's wrong, and if you don't see anybody, nothing's wrong, Jesus is going, no, 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 I'm down on your level. See, the beauty of this is Jesus is always getting in the dirt with us. See, that's why he left heaven. He didn't leave heaven so that he could just kind of be here and experience just the finest wines and steak this world has to offer. He's like, dude, I'm in heaven. If I want a good filet, I'll stay in heaven. (laughs) He left heaven so he could get on our level. He's going, I want to identify with you. I want to see you in your guilt and take the attention off of you and put it on me. But did you notice? It wasn't just, it wasn't just one time with the woman. It said in verse 8, again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. You know why he stooped down a second time? Because the Pharisees were guilty. And listen what happened when he stooped down a second time. It said, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman. You know who slipped away when he bent down a second time? The Pharisees, the enemies of Jesus. We don't like to cover the guilt of our enemies, do we? Oh, no, we like to exploit when our enemies lose. You Kentucky fans, you probably burnt a couple couches last night. You ended your 31-game losing streak. Hey, as a Hoosier, I'm learning how to celebrate, right? Celebrate. You don't need to hate your enemies. You guys probably celebrate crazy. Big win. Jesus sits here, and you know what? The Pharisees, the Pharisees knew they were caught. They knew they were guilty. And what happens? Jesus draws his, everyone's attention to himself. He says, even the enemies, even other people. You know what? I'm not here to celebrate your guilt. I'm here to cover it. I'm here to cover. See, a lot of times we have these thoughts in our mind. Boy, if I walk in that church, Jesus is going to hit me with a lightning bolt. He's just waiting for that moment. You realize he can hit you with a lightning bolt whenever he wants, right? Like, you don't have to come to 4407 Charlestown Road, New Albany, Indiana, to get hit with a lightning bolt. If he wanted to hit you with one, he could hit you. What's he wanting to do? He's wanting to get on your level. People who don't think they're guilty and those who know they're guilty. He's going, no, I'm getting on both of your levels. If you want to realize how spiritually mature you are, here's a great question you can ask yourself. How quick are you to own your sin? How quick are you to go, you know what, I'm guilty. We're quick to say we're good, aren't we? I'm a good person. I mean, I know I've done this, but I'm good. Okay. If you want to become spiritually mature, flip that. I know I'm a sinful person. Oh, God does some good things, but I know. And you go, well, where's that in Scripture? Let me help you. That's why it's not me, dude. We're not Dr. Filling it up here, all right? Like this is Scripture time. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, the apostle Paul writes to his protege Timothy, and listen to what he tells him. 
He says this to him. He says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to what? Save sinners. Jesus came to connect unconnected people to himself. Yeah, that's why it's our mission statement. He doesn't stop there, does he? Of whom I am what? The worst. Do you know that you're the worst sinner you'll ever know? Think about it. Well, what about Hitler? Do you have lunch with Hitler? You don't know him. Oh, no, what he did was absolutely wrong. What Paul is saying here in this moment is this. Like the Pharisees realized and they walked away guilty, he knows this. He knows that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and he knows this. I'm not looking to compare myself to that adulterous woman. I'm not looking to compare myself on anybody on Facebook. I know this. I am the worst. Imagine how we would love the world instead of judging everybody and going, you're the worst, and we walk around and we go, I'm the worst. Because guess where that puts us? Beneath everybody else, doesn't it? Puts us on everybody else's level. Instead of walking around and yelling at everybody, we go, no, man, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. If we want to accept this idea that Jesus has come to cover our guilt, here's what we got to do. We got to drop the rock. If you're following along, you want to write that in. That's what the Pharisees had to come and do. They had to realize they were guilty, and they had these rocks. They were ready to kill this woman until their attention shifted and began to be on Jesus. And then they went, oh, wait a second. I'm sinful. And they had to drop the rocks. See, part of the problem is this. Sometimes we think it's just dropping the rocks of us yelling at everybody. Some of you going, no, I don't want to throw a rock at anybody. I had a buddy last year just tell me, he, he, man, I appreciate his heart so much. God was doing a big work in him. And he came and he said, Nate, I can't shake it. I got to confess this to you. He said, you know, several years ago, he goes, I committed adultery, cheated on my wife, ruined the marriage, all this other stuff happened. And this is what he told me. He goes, it's been years ago. He goes, and I know God has forgiven me, but I can't what? I can't forgive myself. I appreciate his vulnerability and honesty. See, the church needs to be a place where we can confess our sins to one another, James says, so that we can be healed. But here was what he needed to do. He wasn't looking around to go throwing rocks at everybody else. Maybe that's your temptation is just throw rocks at everybody else. But maybe the problem is for you today, you just want to throw a rock at yourself all the time. I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I've done this. You're not looking to hit other people with a rock. You just won't drop the rock, and you keep hitting yourself in the head with the rock. Jesus says, I want to draw your attention to me, and I want you to drop. I know you're guilty. Drop the rock. Because come to get on your level. I've come to get in the dirt with you. I've come to redeem you, but put your attention on me. That was the problem with my friend. I love his honesty, but he said, I just can't forgive myself. And the problem is this. Your attention is more on yourself than it is on Jesus. Oh, it sounds humble, but it's not. I just can't forgive myself. You will never forgive yourself until your attention is on Jesus. This week, I had a moment where I had to drop 
the rock. I came home, I think it was on Tuesday, the garage door was up, and we have that, we have like a nine-foot sliding ladder that, you know, that can go up to like 17 feet, and I come home, and it is lodged against the side of our minivan, and I see these scratch marks down the side of my minivan, and I'm like, that's not good. You know, I'm coming home from that, and uh, my little girl, six-year-old Lily, she comes out, and you can tell she has tears in her eyes. Guilty. She didn't ask for water. She just knew guilty, you know. And I looked at her. I said, what happened? And she, she starts tearing up. And she said, I went to get my bike out. And the tire of my bike, as I pulled it, it pulled the ladder over. And the ladder just hit the minivan. Ruthie didn't even know about this. She was inside at the time with other kids. And yeah, I just I saw her eyes just tearing up. She, she knows she's guilty. And I'm listening to this passage. And I'm looking at how Jesus got down on this woman's level. And so I decided, I'm like, okay, you know what I'm going to do? This is my moment to drop my rock. Because that's when we want to go off the handle, don't we? When we come home from a long day of work, what are you doing? You know, you just, you just want to lose your mind. And I went, no, I need to drop the rock. And I got down on her level. And I looked at her right in the garage. Hadn't even moved the ladder yet. I said, Lily, Daddy loves you more than he loves this van. You need to know that. You know, like, really? You know, like, you know, she was waiting for the thunder. She runs inside. Ruthie comes out. She goes, what did you tell her? I said, I told her daddy loves her more than man. She said, it was weird. She had tears, but she was smiling. I said, well, I didn't tell her it's an 08 with 100,000 miles and there's scratches all over, right? You know, like, like, I'm like, you know, just another scratch, man. That's just the way it is. I didn't tell her that. <laughs> but I wanted her to know in that moment, she knows she's guilty. And now dad knows. And what's dad going to do? And what's the hammer going to be? The father looks at you and he knows you're guilty and he gives you Jesus. Are you paying attention? See, you won't drop the rocks in your life until you start paying attention to the love that the Father has for you and I. He knows we're guilty. That's why he wants us to put our attention on him. But he also does that so we can accept his grace. He goes, you're guilty, but I want to give you grace. I want to fill your heart with grace. I want to change you from the inside out. Sometimes people look at this passage and they go, it's like Jesus doesn't care about adultery. He's just letting it go. No matter of fact, Jesus raises the bar on adultery. If you study the scriptures, that's why I put some of the scriptures there in your outline. Go back and look. God put it in the Ten Commandments. Don't commit adultery. Exodus 20, verse 14. In Leviticus 20, verse 10. In Deuteronomy 22, he puts all these things in. Matter of fact, if you want to look at how adultery happens, go read Proverbs chapter 5 through 7. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 5. In verse 27, he says this. He goes, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. He says, he raises the bar and he goes, I tell you this, any man who looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery in his heart. Who's guilty? Every man. Let's raise our hand, right? You know why he's doing that? Because Jesus knows adultery doesn't start by a, some sexual physical act. Jesus knows this, adultery starts always in the heart and it's an emotional thing. People who might not be getting the emotional support that they want at home 
are looking for it. And they have a coworker who unintentionally goes, man, you look great today. Well, well thank you. <laughs> About time somebody noticed, right? And we don't think about it until the next day. This is what we begin to do. I hope they notice me. See where that's going? We have no idea what's going on in our heart until it's too far. This is why Jesus raises the bar. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. Adultery, it's not about the sexual act. Adultery is actually when you begin to obsess on the approval of somebody else in your heart and desire them, and you put your attention on them more than you put it on me. He looks at this woman because he knows this adultery, if this woman has a family, let's burn that family down. See, this is what adultery does. It, it burns communities down. If you've, maybe you've grown up in a church where a pastor had an affair, it burned the church down. Burns communities down. Sometimes we make this mistake and we hear people say this, no, all sin is the same. You know it's not. Did you know that? All sin is not the same. We'll prove it. Okay, scripture here. Right, not Dr. Phil time, all right? L let me give you the verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, the Apostle Paul says this, all sin is not the same. Sexual sin is different than any other sin. Here's why. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, all other sin is outside the body. This is why he says, flee from sexual immorality. He says, flee from it because all other sin is outside the body, but sexual sin goes against your own body. I talk to people all the time that they became a Christian later on after they got married, and they go, I wish I would have never done the stuff I did with other people before I got married. And what they're saying is this, it's still with me. Sexual sin is different than any other sin. It's in Scripture. But just as guilty of it, as this woman is, Jesus gets in the dirt and gives her grace. He gives her grace. But you know how she received that grace? She dropped the guard. She dropped the guard. Listen to what she said. He says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She says three words, no one, sir. You know what that word sir means? It's not just kind of respectful. That word sir is Kyrie, which means Lord, master, authority. She says, no one, Lord. She has put her attention on Jesus. She's guilty, puts her attention on him, and her life begins to change. That's why when you saw those kiddos and mom get baptized today, that question, do you believe that Jesus is not just the Savior, but the Lord of your life? Is your attention on him? Is your attention on him? Here's what happens. 
She puts her attention on him, and everything begins to change. Everything begins to unfold in a different way. And he, Jesus says, then neither do I condemn you, not because she's just a good person, and hey, I mean, you've done so many good things, it makes up for this adultery, don't worry, we're, 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 we're on a scale system here. Because she put her attention on Jesus, everything began to change. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. You know why we put our attention on Jesus? So we can have a new way to go. See, Jesus says, I don't want you just to go back to the old way. Matter of fact, here's what our problem is. Most of the time, we go, I would love to do better at this. I would love to not, you know, be caught up in all this stuff. And our problem is this. We are waiting for us to do better, be better, pull ourselves up from the bootstraps, and really become a good Christian. Do you realize becoming a Christian isn't about how good you can be? Matter of fact, I wrote this in, in your outline that if you flip those two sentences from Jesus, if you flip, neither do I condemn you, go now and leave your life of sin. If you flip that, you miss the whole message of Jesus. This is why we have to pay attention. I'm serious. This is why we have to look up. If you don't, if you don't get anything else, look at this. This is why Jesus puts it in this order. Neither do I condemn you because your attention is on me. Go now and leave your life of sin. And if you flip it, this is how it reads. I put it in your bulletin. Go now and leave your life of sin, then neither do I condemn you. Who does that start with, God or us? Us. Who does God start with when he comes to save us? Himself. See, part of our problem is this. We continue to start with us. We continue to go back with us. We say say phrases like this. I just need to get my act what? Together. I need to get my act together. Because when I get my act together, then God's going to do great things in my life. It's not what Jesus says. Matter of fact, that might be why you haven't seen God do great things in your life. Not because he doesn't want to, but because you're not following and paying attention to Jesus. It's hard to drop the rock. That's why Jesus gets on our level. It's hard to receive grace sometimes because we have to drop our guard. And here's the deal. If you want to go in a different way, if you want to flee sexual immorality, if you want to live in a different way, you got to drop the act. How are you doing? Oh, blessed and highly favored. According to Paul, you're the worst sinner you know, so you're lying to yourself. And here's why. You ready? Because your visor's down. Everything good? Oh, everything is awesome. How's the kids? Unbelievable. You liar. How's work? Best it's ever been. Wow, you've not made any mistakes, huh? Here's the problem with this. It's not just that we're guilty. It's that we don't get to pay attention to Jesus. We don't get to put our eyes on Jesus. Jesus said, I came to get on your level. Flip the visor. 
put your attention on me. I know you're guilty. I've come to give you grace. I've come to give you a new way to go. I've come to give you a new heart. Does Jesus have your attention? Here's how I want us to end today. I love doing this. It's something my dad would do growing up. I just want, I want to end in prayer, but here's what I want to do. I just want you just to look up with your eyes open. And we know God is with us. When you become a follower, his, his presence is inside of you. God is always with us. But there's something about looking up with our eyes going, I'm not looking at anything else. I'm not looking at my phone, not looking at the person next to me, not even looking at the pastor, thank God, right? You know, like, <laughs> Jesus, my attention's on you right now. See, this is the invitation that he's given that woman. This is the invitation that he's given that Pharisee. This is the invitation that he's given to the crowds that are around him at that synagogue that day going, put your attention on me because I have something to say that you haven't heard. I don't know where you need to take your attention off something else and put it on him, but he's calling you to himself. And so right now, Father, we just ask, you already know we're guilty, we know we're guilty, people around us might not know what we're guilty of, but you do. And so we thank you right now that even though you know we're guilty, you continue to give us Jesus. You continue to get down on our level because you knew we couldn't get to your level. So thank you for coming after us. Jesus, help us right now to just look to you. Not to be better, to do better, but just to look to you and allow you to change us from the inside out. Thank you for getting in the dirt with us. Thank you for not leaving us. And may we go and leave our life of sin by your power and your presence. And it's in your name that we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's go with him this week, everybody.